Welcome to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast, where we provide revolutionary training materials to individuals, healing practitioners, leaders, and influencers globally. Your kingdom destiny awaits, and it all begins with a mindset. Well, hello and welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Dr. Jessica Rothmeyer, and we're in this season of talking about kingdom culture. The last five weeks, I've discussed how having the attitude or mindset of Christ, as described in Philippians chapter 2, is such an important key to finding freedom and healing in your mind. If you've missed any of these episodes, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. These are foundational teachings in learning how to live in a kingdom culture with a renewed mind, which leads to transformational living. Today, I'd like to discuss the difference between grace and mercy, and the true connection between the two. I grew up in a Christian family, going to church and reading my Bible, so I had a pretty good understanding of what these words meant. I had heard them many times, until I really studied God's Word, and I asked the Holy Spirit to teach me more and give me a greater understanding of their meaning. I was so humbled and even more in love with Father God after discovering just how deep and profound these gifts of grace and mercy truly are. So I'm praying my teaching here today will equally bless you and cause your heart to burn with gratitude. So to begin, a basic explanation of grace would be favor and blessing from God, which are undeserved. And there's nothing in your self-efforts that could earn God's grace. It is a gift. As for mercy, this is also a gift, but mercy is the withholding of punishment you do deserve because of your unholy and sinful nature. God offers believers mercy because of his righteousness and loving nature. Both mercy and grace are available to us because of the price Jesus paid at the cross, bringing each person into the family of God who chooses to put their faith in Christ as their Savior. So, let's take a little deeper look into each of these meanings. After spending more than 20 years in the mental health field, God was able to show me through hundreds of examples, through the lives of my counseling clients, that as long as a person continues to think feel, and behave like the world, they will have unexplained suffering in their lives. But when we can do as scripture instructs and align our mind with the kingdom of God from a godly spiritual perspective, suddenly so many issues of the mind and our lives in general are healed and resolved. I cannot tell you how many times I would teach my clients what the Bible said about the mind and how often they would experience freedom in that moment. But then soon, after they left my office, as they would go back out into the world, they would revert to their old ways of thinking and behaving and literally walk out of their healing. One day I asked the Lord if there was something I was missing, something that I was failing to teach people. And he said, my grace is sufficient. Well, (laughs) that seemed like an awkward thing to say in that moment. Did that mean that God's grace was sufficient for me as a teacher or a counselor? Or was it the key to helping people walk in freedom? So this answer from the Lord led me to study 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And let me read that to you now. These verses penned by the Apostle Paul. 
So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know how much thought you've ever put into understanding God's grace, but because of circumstances in my life, as well as observing the pain and suffering in many of my clients' lives, I've studied and thought about it a great deal. And I encourage you to do the same. As I attempt to teach you a few new ways of understanding it today, there are just certain aspects of God's grace that can only be fully experienced and appreciated in His presence through personal revelation just between you and Him. But what I believe the Holy Spirit was trying to reveal to me in this passage is that even though myself, my clients, and many believers of God's Word, even though we can experience revelation and begin to understand many different spiritual truths, God allows the evil and negative of this world to still affect us. Why would that be? Well, as Paul explains, to keep us humble and reliant on Him. And as verse 9 declares, God says His grace, His favor, His divine power that lives on the inside of each one of us is enough to get us through. And the temptations and assaults of this world will never end. As Paul begged God to remove his thorn the way Satan was torturing him, God said, no, my grace is sufficient. And I think we can all agree that Paul had more spiritual wisdom and Christ-centered passion than almost anyone in history. And yet God said, I want you, Paul, to be ever vigilant to the fact that you cannot do this life without me, without my grace, and being reliant on that grace, not your own understanding, knowledge, or wisdom. So when we are weak in our minds, in our emotions, or in our physical bodies, this should be a reminder of how much we need God's grace to never ever take the gift of his love and his favor in our lives for granted. Instead of turning your failures into feelings of defeat, what if we took Paul's advice and we would boast all the more of our weaknesses and give glory to God for his grace through Christ Jesus, that his power would be made perfect in us? That is grace. Another scripture that God used in teaching me about grace was Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How is it that Jesus, who was perfect, without sin and the Son of God, increased in favor, or you could say grew in grace with God? This verse demonstrates that God gives out grace in different amounts and in different seasons despite our level of sin or position with him. And how much more grateful does that make a person to know we can look forward to our grace increasing 
as we rest in the flow of God's direction and simply exist in his will for our lives. You know, one of the most amazing revelations God gave me about grace is that it was a a portion of his power and his authority that was being distributed in and through me through the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of each born-again believer, that we must be so reliant on him and the Holy Spirit that we know we could do nothing separate from him. Even Jesus knew this spiritual truth and would declare it often. This is grace. God's power, God's authority, our ability to have victory over the evil realm while we are yet in our human form, all happens because of God's grace in our lives. It was from this spiritual aha moment that I had that I began to pray on a regular basis for more of God's grace. I guess there was some false teaching or maybe it was just a worldly belief in my mind that suggested that once I was saved, I had all the grace I would ever need or that I was allowed to have for the rest of my life. But God revealed this to be false and has proven through many of life's circumstances that His grace abounds in the exact amount and in his perfect timing as we need it. I saw this truth play out before my very eyes so many times when counseling and coaching people. When they were suffering or going through very difficult things in their lives, I could see, I mean tangibly see and hear through their stories how God was giving them more grace to handle what they were going through. That people could even live through or even flourish in times or environments I would have thought would have been too difficult to survive. These revelations about grace gave me so much appreciation for the special gift that has so, so many layers and the complexities of the true fullness of what his favor is in our lives and what the grace actually provides. It's humbling and beyond human comprehension. There soon became this reality that God's grace was necessary for everything in my life. By grace, I was saved. It was grace that ignited the Holy Spirit in me. It is grace that keeps me close to God. It is grace that is slowly transforming and motivating me to become more and more like Jesus. I needed grace to praise and worship God in holy and authentic ways. I needed grace to reject sin and temptation of all kinds in my life. And I desperately need grace to see myself and my loved ones through the eyes of Christ. And through this faith journey, the Holy Spirit taught me that none of my self-efforts or personal achievements even really mattered in comparison to my surrender in allowing God's grace to work in and through me. So as the Holy Spirit began to reveal more and more about the depth and nature of God's grace, this spiritual truth became clear. In order to appreciate grace in a way that would be honoring to God, we must meditate on God's gracious and abundant mercy. We hear this word a lot in scripture, from the Old Testament to the New, but do we really take the time to contemplate its full meaning? God's mercy is a withholding of the punishment we truly deserve. The problem we have in the world today is a lack of reverential fear of God. 
and an even bigger lack of self-awareness when it comes to the severity of what sin does in our lives. Romans 6.23 states that, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When teaching people about Jesus and the idea of grace, many people are pretty grateful for God saving them, giving them this free gift of eternal life. But do we take the time to deeply appreciate what that gift cost Father God and Jesus? The wages of sin are pricey, so severe and expensive. It's a debt no human being could repay, earn or make amends for. So God had to give his one and only son to die on a cross. Jesus had to give up his life and become the sacrificial lamb in order for our sins to be forgiven. There would be no other adequate form of payment. This is just a small glimpse into the weight and priceless value of God's mercy on your life. The problem today has been the problem for most of history is that we are a self-centered and arrogant people. Most people do not think they're that bad and certainly do not want to talk about their sin in an open or vulnerable way. And even if you are willing to admit your sins or you honestly believe that you're not a very good person, even that is not honoring to God because you are dismissing the good God put in you both in his creation of who you are and because of the righteousness you have through Jesus. When learning how to walk in grace and mercy, there is a very thin line that is honorable to God. I have struggled to define this line for a long time, so I will share my insights with you today in hopes that you find your way faster than I did. First, it is to spend time on a regular basis meditating on God's mercy. Find scriptures that give God thanks and glory for his mercy. There are particularly many found in the Psalms, but really throughout the Bible. Something that was part of my faith journey was intimacy with Jesus. The more that I asked God to show me how often I needed his mercy, it made me very, very grateful for his grace in ways I had never thought about before, like how I could not have been considered one of his own, because I am not Jewish. Without Jesus, I would not have been chosen or adopted into God's family, and I would never have had the opportunity to spend eternity with him someday. For that reason alone, you think I would be grateful and worship him all the days of my life. But then, as I began to repent for the ways I was sinning or falling short, praying for more of God's mercy, the more I realized just how offensive my sin really was to God. The Holy Spirit began to reveal to me just how holy and majestic God really is and how I was taking that for granted. And as much as Jesus indeed wants to be your friend, the triune Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are so magnificent, so awe-inspiring that we as receivers of such abundant grace, should we not be filled with this overwhelming gratitude and humility for the amount of the mercy that the almighty creator of the universe shows us mere humans each and every day? This is just another example of how different living in a kingdom culture is than how most people in this world operate. Worldly teaching talks constantly about what one deserves 
You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be free to choose whatever you want, to act however you want, and to believe that overall, you are a good person. And you should feel good about that. And to reward yourself, pat yourself on the back for any acts of kindness you might do. But in the kingdom of God, the greatest freedom and joy is birthed when you come to this greater revelation of just how great our Father's affection is for us and how he would offer grace and mercy to a people who have rebelled against him, disobeyed him, and dismissed him over and over. That the most perfect human being of all time, him who was fully man and yet fully God, Jesus, gave up his life for you. He was brutally murdered so that your sin would not be held against you and so that you would not go to hell, so that you could walk in spiritual authority here on the earth and become a member of a royal priesthood and that an all-knowing, all-powerful God would not only overlook your sin and withhold all the punishment you actually deserve, but that he would offer you the same favor grace and unconditional love that he had for his son Jesus. When you think about how much mercy you need, you will have a whole new perspective on the incredible and devastating price of grace and just how much praise and honor our King Jesus is worthy of. I would challenge you today to meditate often on the amount of mercy God has for you and how valuable grace is that he so freely gives you to incorporate this reflection in your daily life. I promise you this will be a convicting exercise if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through you, but it is also liberating and very, very fulfilling. My time of worship and the homage I choose to show my great, great God has forever been changed by understanding the grace-mercy connection. For more resources, check out my website, www.kingdommindset.global, and join me next week as I discuss the key to mental, emotional, and spiritual protection in your life. I pray today you are blessed in your mind and in your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today's teaching, I would just invite you to subscribe to the show and then share it with others to bring healing and transformation to the lives of those around you.